Hello. Hello. Good morning. <laughs> He's back. <laughs> how are you? I'm <laughs>、uh, very well. How are you?、I'm、pretty good. How was your morning? Not bad. Did you do anything special for the Fourth of July? One enjoys one's constitutionals. <laughs> one takes solace in one's solitude. Yes. Yes. One's vertiginous vision of verdancy, the climbs comfort one's cockles, like a patient etherized upon a chaise lounge. <laughs> one enjoys one's chaise lounge, bound bibliographies, bezeled baubles, bandicoot bon vivant. One enjoys one's bandicoot. I like the ones where you prepare. One enjoys <laughs> one's days of independence. Resplendent in one's sparklers, <laughs> bottle rockets, Roman candles, <laughs> rather good. My kid was sick for a week,、oh, and、uh, hi, she's unsick now, which is an improvement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I just want to talk like that all the time. I think you should. I mean, I, yes. I'm into it. One notices that when one speaks like this. One's pace of speech is slowed, enabling one to. How does one say think? Rather,、mm-hmm. yeah, that won't get annoying.、Um, good. What did you guys do? Anything special? No, no, not yet, not yet. We're waiting. Are you gonna for ce- the- celebrate the fifth a little late? Yeah, I mean, you know, put it out a week or two. You know, and then it's not as busy. You、yeah. go to you can go to the lake or whatever, and look up at the sky without all those obnoxious lights up there, and. <laughs> yeah, animals, crowded、like、people, and everything. I know, I know, I know. Well, and you know where I live, it's very foggy, so <laughs> people go, and I guess you can kind of see, kind of see things, kind of like last night. You know, we were at home, and、uh, everybody gone to bed, and all the fireworks are going off, so you could just kind of see, like, I don't know, it's like it had been heavily filtered by fog, but no, it's fun. It's fun. You know, fireworks have come a long way. <laughs> Since the 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 Chinese time, hey, easy tex, <laughs> easy little bit, little bit ping pong. Well, they invented、yes. that. Oh yeah, yeah, and pasta. Is that so? Uh huh. That's why Marco Polo's favorite pasta was、uh, when he was in China. All right. Um, let's see. I I don't know. My father. I'm pretty sure my. Well, it was understood that my father had what was then called shell shock. But you know, today we would understand what he had as PTSD. He、right. could not be around fireworks, and when I was a kid, I couldn't be around fireworks because my dad just—it was very troubling to me. And I like it okay now, but it seems like there are fireworks people. There are people like our friend John Roderick who genuinely love and set off fireworks. I think it captures everything about like legalized pyromania and destruction and noise making, which、yeah. are all things that. You know, many young boys like, and and I would include John in that list. Yeah,、uh, he's, he's just a big young boy. Yeah, I loved it when I was little. My neighbor Highland, across the street, used to have.、Um, he used to have. I think he was old enough that he could. He would order them. So we would the group, the small group of kids in my sort of cul-de-sac area. He was old enough to place an order to this like mail order. Uh, fireworks place, so he would put the order in, and we would tell him what we wanted and give him money for it. And it was basically just a catalog that had all of these fireworks, most of which had these ridiculous 
sounding names. They were all, you know, from China and things like that. And of course, I didn't have very much money for it. So I would get these very inexpensive kind of like the the best that I could buy, but they all really were terrible and they all sucked. So in addition to like, you'd get like two or three M80s and then you'd get a bunch of just regular firecrackers and then you'd get some sort of specialty ones. And the the only name that I have is this, uh, in my mind of these things that I got, there was one and it was a little rooster and you would light the fuse in its butt and out of its mouth, these little sparks would spray while it was making this loud shriek. And the name of the firework was called Cock Crows at Dawn. Oh, nice. It was, could be a martial arts move, too. Yes, that's, a nice, it, that's a nice name. Especially humorous for a uh, kid of about 12 years old. And, you know, we used to light those things off. And then we'd go to, like, the university and uh, out over the lake at the university in South Florida. They would always have this beautiful display. And that was kind of my memory of it before things got just crazy and crowded and insane and like here in austin if if you're not interested in spending an hour parking and walking for another 30 40 minutes to the lake or whatever you can't see them down here you could well, make it sound outside. so unappealing yeah, it's terrible like, you remember it's the th- not cool <laughs> I, I i i mentioned this before i uh i should check this but what, what i seem to remember is my friend richard who was from uh, alabama was the was the fireworks guy amongst our friends as growing up in Florida, and he would go and buy mostly bottle rockets. Do you remember yes, this? Though? Loved you bottle could, rockets. Which you could go. There'd be those places that would set up in a parking lot, and you would go. And do you remember what made it official? No. And legal, you had to sign. They, you know, uh, xeroxed all of these these forms that you would sign. That I should find this because I'm sure this is a thing. I'm pretty sure this is a thing. You uh, would sign a form that said that you were a fish farmer. Who owned a fish farm? <laughs> oh God! And you had to you had to swear that you were hereby purchasing these bottle rockets to scare birds away from your fishery. It was, it was a fishery fishery loophole. That's crazy. Yeah, I love yeah. it. It's like when uh, when my friend took me out to go and he wanted to buy raw milk, so mm. he said, "Come out to the little farm where I, I buy it." And I rode rode along, and you have to sign something that swears that you're giving it to your pets. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Huh. Do, 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 do pets like raw milk? I have no idea, but it's not illegal for them to, to, to drink it like it is for a person. So, Yeah, I've never understood that. I, I love pasteurization. You know, well, it's, it's homogenization and, and pasteurization. People like that. They're fans here in, in the U.S. Yeah, that's the same people that brought us chemtrails. <laughs> Fluoride. <laughs> I'm looking at uh, a wonderful annual holiday tradition at uh, Cable, C-A-B-E-L dot me. Uh, the wonderful, delightful, uh, wonderful human being, Cable uh, Sasser, every year uh, goes out to a place. I guess he goes to Vancouver. Is it? It can't be Vancouver, Canada. It must be. But somewhere, anywhere, somewhere outside of Portland, he goes and takes photos of mini hilarious fireworks packages. I put it in show notes and they are so freaking funny. I wish that he would buy them and then actually show what they are on video. He doesn't do that part, does he? No, he just I don't photographs think so. the crazy names. You're saying you'd like to see what a chicken blowing balloon does? Yes, I want to see what all these things do. This is see what selfie what selfie moment does. And I like cable too, but I feel like he's only he's setting up he's setting it up, then he leaves us hanging. Like Yeah, screw that guy. Yeah. Here's one called the neighbor hater. Did you can get? <laughs> That's, I thought that was all fireworks. 
Here's the one with Uncle Sam says you have potential. Anyway, uh, go back and look at these. These are uh, these are really wonderful. I'll tell you what. It's the- so it's so interesting though because it's such a strange industry where. I mean, I, I guess there must be fireworks people who buy these the same way that I would buy like Lipton tea. But like, it seems like it's, it's along the lines of Halloween or Christmas. I mean, this must be, there must be one big week for people who sell fireworks. And these are all in English. Yeah. They're, they're, they've got the, um, they've got the feel of uh, classic uh, Chinese design, but they're very American looking things. Are you looking at this? Yes. Yeah. Warm greeting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Key break. That's got a song of the names are always very creative, and I think they there's some that are sort of you know mainstays, and there's others that they they change each year just to kind of keep things fresh. But I mean, it's a little bit like you know, I just uh, the the idea of this that they have a baby uh, orangutan. Yeah, it's really cute. Looks like he's got some kind of alopecia or something. Yeah, and it says next to him, just yikes, yikes. Yeah, but what does it do? That's the thing. That's why I say I think it's a look at that little monkey. He's got some kind of skin problem. I know. Looks like he got burned. That's not funny. It's Face not. this side towards spectators, please. Um, <laughs> bada boom, which is the smaller boom. version of big bada boom. Yeah, big bada boom. <laughs> Lilu dollars multipass. The um, it reminds me a little bit though of branded breakfast cereals, which are which are really, <laughs> it's the last resort of branding scoundrels everywhere because you go like, Hey, check it out. It's like C3PO cereal or like, you know, it's uh BB eight right. SpaghettiOs and you get, and you're like, really? Like this is your, this is the final version of this. There's one on here called, Oh hell no. Oh hell no. <laughs> it's got a, it's got what, what we would call it a dark angel reminiscent mm-hmm. of the dark Phoenix, but mm. it's a dude and he's got some kind of like rock and roll Sort of kiss, reminiscent kiss mask. Oh, yeah. He looks he's, like he's got kind of a black metal makeup yeah, thing. Yeah. He's ripped. He looks like Angel, and he's on fire. And then there's an inset uh, image, a little circle that says alien. alien. It's got a picture of one of the grays. Lots of them have. Oh, I see. Alien looks like it might be a name brand. Is it a brand? Alien brand, alien brand 16 shots train wreck. <laughs> Warning, shoots flaming balls. Truck, yeah. Truck, yeah. Hawaiian punch. Truck, yeah. Look at that guy. Oh, look at him. He's, he's on a rascal scooter shooting a Gatling gun. He's got Walmart bags. Look at that. Huh. Unnecessary BS. So we had a lot of fun setting these things off, and I only, only burned myself uh, badly once. Oh, really? Yeah. What, what, what part did you burn, if you remember? Uh, like my thumb, because uh-huh. I, I yeah. lit the fuse, and it, it was one of those fast fuses, you know, uh, accidentally, because... I feel like the quality control of these isn't what it what it could be. No, I think it's. <laughs> I don't say shoddy. That would be unkind. Yeah. Uh, but y- yeah, I mean, I've wondered about this a lot because you you get ones like you might get a spark, like even just a sparkler. You take a sparkler, and some sparklers you go, "Wow, that's a lot of sparkler on that sparkler." <laughs> right. Other ones you go, "Man, there's not too much sparkler on that sparkler." Yeah. You know. You know the it's seven got- eight year olds that are making these things don't have the training that you know, that they used to have, but no, they should do, they should at least learn like the pledge of allegiance or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah. Yep. 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 I'm reading, uh, this is not Jermaine. I don't know why I think thinking about breakfast cereal and spaghetti has made me think of this. I'm reading this amazing book that came out, uh, I think in 2010 called the Walmart effect. And it's, it's such a fascinating book about, 
all, all aspects where like life and culture and business has been touched by Walmart. And like, man, there's just, there's two parts of this book you can't miss. I mean, the first chapter is great because the first chapter is where he lays out the, no, 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 you don't realize how big Walmart's effect is. And I'm not saying this as a Walmart hater. I'm just saying this as I was not aware of like, Walmart is bigger than these six companies combined. Walmart sells more things by March 1st than Target does all year. There's all these kinds of facts that are just mind blowing. But and, and so like I've come to this guy's writing through a couple of things he wrote for Fast Company in the 2000s that I tooted out in this past week and retweeted. Really interesting articles about Walmart's business relationships and their ability to basically you kind of can't afford to not be at Walmart, but then once you're in, it's very difficult to oh, afford right. to be at Walmart. Yes, yes. And that's, if you've ever heard me talk about the Vlasic pickle thing, that's, that's something where like they got Vlasic who'd spent decades trying to build a brand as like this fancy pickle that you pay a little more for. They got it to where you would go to an end cap and buy a gallon of whole Vlasic, Vlasic dill pickles for the price of a, like a quart that you'd buy in a supermarket. And then on top of it, they want your prices to go down every year. So it's got all the kind of Walmart stuff that we've all kind of groaned and rolled our eyes about over the years. Maybe most amazing though is his new introduction for the latest edition of the book. And I'll put this in show notes. Uh, and the introduction basically goes through this like reimagining of Walmart that started as like basically listening to their critics and, and essentially trying to become more sustainable and environmentally um, b- being better environmental stewards. And of course, you know, some of that is, is just, you know, PR, but a huge part of it was they really, really did it. And then turns out it really, really, really helped their business. So, you know, they've got something like, like a whole bunch of their stores in Mexico run on wind power, like pure wind power. Mm. But here's what, I don't know, this is just, I don't know why. This, whoever it is that makes Hamburger Helper. They had this, they had this, Walmart said this, had this thing with all their vendors. They said, look, over this period of time, you need to reduce the amount of packaging on everything you do by 5% across the board, which is very, very difficult. But they're in a position to be able to do that. So the company that makes Hamburger Helper, they changed the shape of the pasta in the box, right? Such that it would fit into a smaller box. Interesting. It, it would settle into like a smaller amount of box, which reduced the amount of box that was needed. It, it cut down on the cost of the box. It cut down on the amount of space that it took up on the truck. And then the music goes around. And that's taken like these dozens of 18 wheelers off the truck, er, off the uh, road every Isn't year. Isn't that just, amazing? Just that one, that one change. Anyway, very interesting. And uh, you could do what I went ahead and bought the whole book, but if you want, you can go to iBooks and the... Um, it has a very generous sample. If you want to read, you can get through the whole introduction and into the first chapter. I don't know. I'm very interested in stuff like that. You know, because, you know, like we talked about on Reconcilable Differences, I'm trying to think, think about the future. Not like the future as in predicting the future, but like trying to figure out what things are happening right now that are closer to what the future might look like than the past. I'm finding that a very interesting topic. So that book really uh, ticked my boxes. And I will put it in notes. Dan? Um, in as much as you're interested, capable, or able to say, where would people find show notes for episode diggity 279 of your back to work? 5by5.tv slash B2W slash 279. 279. 279. Nine times. Walmart. Oh, man. The the subhead or the deck on books is getting too long. It's too long. You got to shorten these things. Yeah, Walmart people should effect. write shorter books. You're telling me. Stupid. Oh, 200 page. Come on. I don't have time for 200 pages. Give me 12. TL. I don't even say DR. I don't have time to say it. I just say TL. 
We're on the fifth, almost uh, almost through the fifth Harry Potter book now. Loving it. Big book. Where do you get that last one, buddy? Woo! My daughter, it's like a, it's like a doorstop. It's so big. <laughs> yeah, we get the little, I got him the, for, I guess it was, was it for his birthday or Christmas or something? I got him the chest of, you know, with all the books and it's like a little, oh, yeah. it's a paper like tra- uh, f- chest that you would have like if you were a student at Hogwarts. I wish I'd, got, I wish I'd gotten that. It looks really cool. It's fun. Because I knew that, I knew that after my son is done, my daughter would want to read it and then who knows, they might want to read it again all on their own when they're older. So, and I'm enjoying them. But the mm-hmm. books are great books. And Hermione's yeah. going to be, not the actress is going to be in this new Beauty and the Beast uh, movie. Based on the cartoon? Well, yeah, it's like she'll a live, Belle. but it's live, yeah, she'll be Belle. Oh, nice. It's I a like live it. action movie. And apparently from the preview, it would sound like they got the same voice actors to play the candle and the, the teapot and whatever. Lum, Lum, candle's, candle's, candle's dead. He's candle's dead. dead. Yeah, he's dead. What do you mean he's dead? The guy's dead? Lumiere? He died? Oh, hell yeah. Well, the person doing the voice sounds exactly the same. Guy from Law and Order, Terry Orbach. Hmm. Well, it turns out. Let me look. I did not know that. Yeah, Jerry Orbach. He was in, he's been in lots of good movies. He's in that Woody Allen movie, mm-hmm. Jerry Orbach. Yeah, Jerry Orbach passed. They might have had him, uh, you know, loop his parts. He might have looped them already. <laughs> <laughs> be our guest, be our guest. Yeah, I think he's, anyway, it's a cute little, you know, teaser, teaser trailer, as they say. I kept hearing uh, from many people, uh, moms and dads that I like, like, respect and admire, they kept saying, oh man, you got to watch this Gravity, Gravity Falls, Gravity Falls, you got to watch Gravity Falls. And it's been on my list for a long time. I don't know why, how or why this happened. My kid was just uh, a poor kid had this terrible sore throat. We thought it was strep. That's the worst. But, um, yeah. So by, so she's been home. We've been home with her all week. Um, all of last week and came in and she's, you know, she watches, she's allowed to watch on non event days. She's allowed to watch TV in the morning. And when she's sick, she's allowed to watch TV. I'm not a monster. What, what's she going to do? Sit and sit and ruminate on her pain. Right. But, um, she started watching gravity falls and over the period of a week, she's blown through both seasons. And I watched a few of them. That show's really good. Have you watched it? Gravity Falls. I've heard of it. It looks, it must be the people who do Steven Universe. It looks a lot like Steven Universe, but oh, I'm yeah. just going to say, uh, it does, even, same animation style for sure. Check out, check out. And it's got, uh, it's got, uh, Kristen Shaw in it. She's in it. Uh, 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 just kidding. Uh, just kidding. Simmons is in it. Uh, you know, the guy from, uh, from, uh, Whiplash, the guy's not Whiplash, the bald guy from Whiplash. He's in it. It's good. Uh, I recommend uh, Gravity Falls. I want to say thanks to the listeners who have uh, sent in or offered to send in some of their Futurama related. Oh, yeah. Let's do a follow up. Yeah. What what have people been offering you, Dan? Uh, Futurama stuff. You put out a plea a few weeks ago and said, uh, you know, your kid loves Futurama. It's hard to find the toys. If anybody yes. would like to sell, uh, lend, or gift you right. these toys, you would you would facilitate that. So the 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 standout is a person named Chris who knows he knows who he is. Mm-hmm. He knows what he did. Who sent an amazing box of it had uh, Fry, Leela, Bender, and the uh, the Planet Express ship. Oh, wow. And Nibbler was in there. Like, they had all this. Yeah, Lord Nibbler. I love Lord Nibbler. Lord Nibbler. And it includes a little, uh, a little litter box with a, one of his little energy poops in it. And it just, Chris, thank you. I, t- I told him thanks. My, um, my boy's writing a, a special little letter to him. It's just, it's made his, like, 
his entire summer because <laughs> this stuff is so hard to find. And when you do find it, it's in such crappy condition and it's super expensive. And he's like, look, you know, because the, there's a store uh, next to the Austin Books and Comics that Outlaw Moon that has like old figures. And he's like, look, it, you know, it's like it's that brand again in there. I'm like, yeah, and it's like 90 bucks or whatever. I'm, like, I'm not I'm not spending 90 bucks on on this, even though it is a collectible thing. So, yeah, I really appreciate uh, that. And Travis sent something. He's not a listener, but he saw me on twi- uh, Twitter tweeting about it. He sent a talking bender. So it's just, it's crazy. And and I said to Chris, I'm like, you know, are you sure you want to part with this? Because like, it's it's really nice and it's probably really valuable and you could probably sell it. He's like, yeah, it'll make my wife happy to get it off my floor in the room. <laughs> like, all right. right. So uh, it's awesome. So thank you. That is that is super nice. People can be very very nice and when they want to be. They sure can. <clears throat> yeah, they. I wish they wish they'd want to be. We got um. I don't know if we got. I I got a lot of nice feedback from last week's show, which mm-hmm. which I thought was a, a little bit of a mess, but um. But we got some. I had some nice responses, uh, private and public, from people who liked last week's week's show. What was the point of last week's show? What oh, stood yelling, out for ye- you? Yelling at an idea. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think you and I both had some some anecdotes and experiences and feelings about the idea of. It, we ended up talking a lot about Twitter, but that kind of wasn't I don't, wasn't for me. It wasn't meant to be the point. Was right. oh, this is about Twitter? Don't be mean on Twitter. But you know, just this idea that I I know I fall into, and I I feel like a lot of people fall into of not thinking about the people who are consuming the things you say as being actual other you know human beings with yeah. feelings and stuff yeah. like that. So yeah, but. Uh, but it was nice. I was contacted by uh, the woman whose car got broken into and uh, she had some nice things to say and that made me happy. So uh, thank you to people who uh, who do that. Things are slowing down a little bit for the summer for people who want to be on the show. Seems like our volume's gone down a little yeah, bit on that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it really has. And we we never did get that pong, peck, pong, pong, peck, uh, final email peck, that you said to hold peck, out uh, for. Peck, pong, peck. No, no, you know what? You win the bet. Monica never uh, circled back a third time, no, so you, you win the bet. Well, I, I wasn't aware that I... I don't feel like we've won until he's on the show. Yeah. <laughs> then we, we all should do win. it. Maybe we should do it, I man. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, maybe the, maybe a... asking $10,000 is a little too much, right? That, that gets you into a whole, you're in a different order of magnitude. What if we said for like $7,300, you could be on the show. Yeah. Make them really think about it. <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I think he'd pass. Yeah, we could negotiate down, you know, start at 10 and see what their response. I feel like they draw a hard line and say zero. And we'd have to say, well, you know, 7,500. We we uh, see what they come up to. Yeah. Well, we I'm not going to say this is, you know, just putting this out as a fact without comment. But you might want to just go Google the string pet, punk pet and see what shows up. At least in my returns. All right. Hold on. I'm doing that. It's the, t- the, the spelling's tricky. Yeah, it is. It'll, it'll autofill. But I'm, I get that as one of the top returns back to work. Peck, bong, peck. Do you? <laughs> yes. But you know, Google's different for everybody. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's, it's sort of like self-aggrandizing if you, uh, if you do a lot of searching on things that oh. you're actually like, like I, you're like, Hey, yeah. I showed up as a second result for this thing. And like, really, <laughs> you're not on my Google as a second result. So it's right. No, I I no I that's why I say that with some trepidation. Yeah. I, I I don't Google things about myself uh a lot, but uh that I did search. You never find... type in like Merlin Man you uh, know, nude just to see what ah, comes no. back. God, stop, 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 no. Look at it now. 
No, oh, come on, Dan. Don't. No, what I did was I was looking for, uh, I wanted to find the thing where he had talked to bloggers about blogging. But um, what was my point going to be? Uh, oh, 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 you know, one thing that got fixed recently, at some point, pretty much I think almost everybody has probably noticed, we've, I think we've talked about this. They talked about this on the Flophouse. Everybody knows this. If you go and search the name of a celebrity for a long time, there'd be two things that would always show up. It'd be name of celebrity and feet and name of celebrity and net worth. That's what, Yeah, I've seen the net worth one, yeah. But I used to think, well, I don't think I searched for that many feet. That's weird that that keeps showing up. <laughs> Everybody gets it. And I think they fixed it. You don't get like, you know, uh, Anne Hathaway feet anymore. We'll see if you get Anne Hathaway net worth. Huh, Anne, Anne Hathaway back to work. That's weird. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Dan, would you like to tell me about something that you like? Sure. <laughs> Anne Hathaway feet back to work. Now it's going to be a thing. Everybody go uh, out and search for Anne Hathaway feet back to work. <laughs> We're going to be trending. Yeah. Uh, our first sponsor today is Hover. Hover, when you have a great idea for your, uh, your, your website or your Google search <laughs> or whatever, it needs to get a great domain name. This is the fact. And finding the perfect domain name is easy. People always say it's hard. Guess what? It's not hard. It's easy. With Hover, you go to Hover.com, they have that nice little blank there, just like your Google search. But you, instead of type doing a search on Google, you're searching for the perfect name. So you can, if you know the name you want, you just type it in and it'll tell you if it's available or not. If it's not available, it'll give you a whole bunch of different suggestions of things you can try, different TLDs, different extensions you might not have thought of that might be really cool. If you're not totally sure on exactly the name that you want, you can just type in a word or a couple words, a phrase, the thing that you're kind of going for, the feel you're going for, and hover with a really, I don't know how they do this, but their suggestions are really, really good. They're not just adding adjectives onto the end of whatever you typed in. They're actually doing... <laughs> best, best Dan Benjamin. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Instead, they, they really come up with some good names. And you might be surprised what you find. Well, they've got uh, a ton of other really, really awesome features. But one of them, and my favorite one, is when it's doing these suggestions, they under, they, there are like four, more than 400 domain extensions that exist right now, all the classics.com.net, but they've got tons more like design and pizza and ninja and all of these other crazy ones. But you can find some really cool stuff out there. Like I registered a domain secret.computer. It's just fun. It's great. Like I never would have thought of that if I wasn't searching uh, on hover for these different ideas. So go check it out. Go to hover.com and the promo code uh, time travel because you know we were on that time travel kick for a while. That's the promo code, time travel, one word, and you'll save 10% off your first purchase. Again, it's hover.com. Promo code is time travel to save 10% off your first purchase. Thanks very much to Hover for supporting. Back to work. Fuck, fuck. AnnHathawayFeet.com, $12.99. Do get it. AnnHathawayFeet.net.org.co.club.me. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer Ann Hathaway Feet, which sounds like a very British name. <laughs> oh, AnnHathawayFeet.guru. That's nice. Ooh. And Hathawayfeet.soy. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah. And Hathawayfeet.ventures. That's for the VC arm, if you like. .church.group.community.foundation.ngo. Hosting. At Silnan on Twitter says, I'm glad Anne Hathaway is going to be on Back to Work soon. Yeah. On Twitter. It's going to cost her, what, what is it going to be, 7600 How much? I'm open. I'm open. 
Fishing, football, golf, ski, theater, menu, pizza, pub, faith, life, love, wedding. These are all available for Anne Hathaway's feet. Condos, lease, dental, dental plan, feet.fail. Anyway, feet.fail me now. And we're back. Um, hmm. <laughs> Interesting thing. Time traveling back to work. Okay. All right. Um, hi. Hey. How's it going? I'm pretty good. Had that. So I'm assuming you did not go to out to the fireworks. Was she sick still or was it just you just didn't want to deal with the haze and the fog? We went to the beach last Sunday and she was really not herself. Yeah. Uh, and then by Monday it was like, she had a sore throat. We finally <sighs> capitulated and took her to the doctor on Wednesday, which nobody likes. And then um, she basically had like a bad sore throat. And it went away. But she's a kid. She doesn't like taking Tylenol. She doesn't like taking anything. And like, if you've got, like, if you've got strep, there's something you can take for it and you feel better in a couple of days. If you don't have strep, you just got to wait it out. Right. And just, you know, be distracted. And it's, it's no fun. It's no fun. And there are so many, uh, there are so many, like, just upper respiratory viruses that are out there that, you know, once you've been a parent for a while, you know, you know, kind of the danger things to look for. And, and if your kid doesn't have those, and you're like, I guess it, it's not the flu. It's not strep throat. It's not a cold, but hopefully it goes away soon, you know, and, right. and you're well, just we, well, we're away. We got, the, uh, we got the email from camp that the, the lice are, are going oh, around camp. God. So. I think this is a San Francisco thing. It's a ponytail day for us. Oh. Um, you know, self, selfies are a lot of what causes that. Did you know that? Huh? Did you know? Mm-hmm. Did you know one cause of lice being spread turns out selfies? Because you, you're pressing heads with other people to get closer together for the. That's right. You put your hair in proximity to other hair, and the lice just go, "Oh, check it out! There's a new place just opened. Let's go, let's go check it out." You know, once you've had lice once, it's not as bad. It's the first time that's really hard because you feel like a horrible, horrible person. Right, because there's bugs. Well, yeah, and it's and the thing is, we talked about this numerous times, but there, you don't. You can't like there's not a shampoo for that. Like you can say it's lice shampoo, but I mean you could you know Okay, I had lice when I was a kid. I was nice. probably yeah. I was probably about seven. And here's the memories that I have of it, because everything at that age is all kind of blurred together and combined with T V and like Yeah. Oh no, know, I, I know it. I know. The bad you know. news bears, was it me or was it one of the characters on the show? I can't tell. Was it you know, was I watching Taxi or was it yeah. did it happen call, to me? Paul was coming from inside Walter Matthau. <laughs> right. And here's what I remember about it. I remember a brownish bottle and something that smelled really the liquid in there that was just horrible. That was a shampoo that I had to shampoo in. And I remember doing it in, you know how you can kind of put your head under the faucet in the, in the tub and not be Mm -hmm. in the shower. So that's how, that's how they would wash it out. And there was a special comb and there was combing, there was nightly shampooing and combing involved in all of this. And that, and I just remember that whole experience being very, very unpleasant and that the lice was then gone after what seemed like weeks of this, two weeks. Does that right. sound off to ask my mom? I was going to well, ask think, her before the show, but she was running an errand. Well, I mean, uh, before the lice era for us, I had a lot of just the conventional wisdom you hear about this stuff. Like, oh, you know, short hair is easier to deal with. You buy shampoo, blah, blah, blah. but what I've learned from two rounds of this uh, that I think is, 
I mean, you can go, you know, WebMD this for yourself, but right. I think what it comes down to is this. You can buy anything you want for lice. You can buy combs, you can buy uh, shampoos, you can buy poultices, you can buy charms, uh-huh. like get whatever you want for lice, but, but understand that what you're going to need to do is sit there with a bright light and physically pick insects out of your kid's hair one mm. at a time. That's what gets rid of it. Um, <laughs> there's not a way to just say, oh, there's not like a, a Dr. Nick like magic shampoo that makes lice go away. The way to get them out is to pick them out. Mm. And you do use a comb and like, you know, the lady we hired to do that, who's kind of, she's got this rogue lice operation and she, uh, she comes out and, you know, she combs your hair like five or six different directions and gets it all on. She's really good. And boy, she hates big lice. She does not like those companies that are out there trying to sell you a bill of goods, but she does. She will sell you a comb, but that's, that's the only way. But you know, just the first time it's like, it's like, you might as well say your kid's dirty. Like lice just sounds like something that like, uh, I was sending you videos for Les Mis. It seems like something that somebody in Les Mis would have. <laughs> it just seems sort of from a different time. And she got some lice. It's not very nice. Get her head inside and put it on ice. I just, I remember waking up at night when I was a kid and I was sick. If I told you the story, I'd wake up with Mm. like an earache. Did you ever have earaches when you were? Of course I have. Earache, earache is the child migraine. There's nothing worse than an earache for a kid. I would wake up in the night and I remember when I was like in, in college or shortly after college and I tried like adult drinks, you know, for the first time and I had tried whiskey and I remember. Whoa, 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 whoa. How old? 22 oh i'm sorry okay all right sorry sorry and 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 so i had tried whiskey for the first time and i remember i was talking to my mom about it and and i'm like you know the first time i tried whiskey which is not that long ago i said you know i uh i i i was reminded of that terrible medicine you used to give me when i was a little kid and i'd wake up in the middle of the night with an earache (laughs) and she laughed and she's like she's like well that was whiskey i'm like what She's like, yeah, you'd she wake hastily, up. She put a hasty Avery label on it that says child medicine. Right. She'd wait. She's like, yeah, you'd wake up in in the night and uh, you know you'd have an earache and we'd give you some whiskey and put you back. To, I'm like, what do you? You can't give a four year old whiskey. She's like, oh yeah, it was fine. The doctor said to do it. I'm like, what? And she said, yeah. She's like, one time you had uh, you had an earache because I would get them periodically. And she said uh, that I guess they had run out of the regular uh, the regular earache medicine and so she had called the doctor and the doctor said do you have any whiskey at the house he's like yeah just give him that in a little shot glass right, right and and apparently the alcohol volume in the in the earache medicine was the same as what was in whiskey anyway that's amazing so they would just give me a shot of, i was waking up at night you know and they would give me a shot of whiskey and i'd go right back to sleep and have no pain well, yeah, yeah, I think that's what a lot of people did or like there's a lot I and mean, ask any parent of somebody our age and there'll be some story of dipping their pacifier in alcohol. <laughs> like that's that's something. The other one, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for Paragoric, which I think I've talked about on here before. Paragoric, this was a staple. that sounds familiar. Well, this was a staple. This was this was the serious medicine. If you were really, really sick with something like an earache, I'm trying to remember how you treat an earache. I, I <laughs> give them a shot of whiskey. Okay, but here's look at Paragoric. <laughs> Paragoric. See. It's a tincture of opium and everybody just oh. had this and in, in, it's the bitterest thing you've ever bittered in your life. But you have just this tiny little bit of that and, uh, oh, it does that, everything. Oh yeah. Look at that. An- anti-diarrheal, anti-tussive, uh-huh. analgesic, everything. Good for what ails you. Yeah. 
But still, I mean, ha ha ha! You give your kid whiskey, but you know, it'd be better. Let's let's keep a little bottle bottle of opium around wow. just for those special times. The other funny thing is, like with you know, it's medicine. I guess physical medicine, psychiatric medicine. It's such a different world today. Where you know, I don't know. I'm not a physician, but you know, a lot's changed over the last 30, 40 years. I remember as a kid when I would get sick, and my mom was always pretty dogged about like you've got to take your whole prescription. Um, you know. But also, you know, like you've got to take the medicine. And the medicine, when I was a kid, was almost always these pills called triaminosin. Oh, yeah, yeah. And triaminosin was, you know, it's uh, it's a, it was basically just straight up, uh, it was an analgesic. It had some kind of like like aspirin, cough thing. You know, it was, a, it was an all-in-one. But it was, it was all just to treat symptoms. Because like, it's still, it's 2016. And like, if you've got a cold, sorry, Jack, you've got a cold. There's less things to do about it than before. Right. I mean, now we know that vitamin C does not actually do all the stuff we thought it did back then. Yeah. Uh, John Syracuse says you should get a flu shot if you don't want to get a cold. <laughs> That's right. It fixes. Did you know about that? Fixes everything. <laughs> he says you can't get sick at all. Any of those, any of those kinds of things, you just get a flu shot. Yeah. Has he? Have you ever clarified that with him? Uh, no, I keep meaning to. I'll put it in show notes. We're yeah. recording one tonight, so I'll put it in show notes. I want to hear more about that. Yeah. But he, yeah, the uh, my son was talking to me about this kind of topic because both he and his sister and my wife uh, all have a cold, which oh, my, no. my little girl, they, t- they went to some, I don't know where they went to a science thing or whatever. And she spent more than five minutes there. So of course she got a cold and, uh, and, and, and so now they all have it. And my wife is trying this thing where she's taking like mega doses of like a zinc and a, and and vitamin C, and apparently there there if you take enough of both, it's supposed to shorten the duration. And mm-hmm. and and I'm like, it's not I, worth I think, it. I think like this zinc tastes terrible. That hasn't that been debunked? I don't I don't think I don't know if it's been debunked or not. She's you know she swears by it. She's still bunking. She's still bunking it. Boy, buddy, you should see me in that doctor's office. Oh my gosh. What were you doing? Well, first of all, it was kind of nice because when I walk into a medical facility, you know, now thoughtfully they put those uh, squirters of hand sanitizer everywhere. Yeah. So I hit it with my right elbow because last thing I'm going to do is touch that with my hand. Right. With my right elbow, I hit the squirter. Squirts into my left hand. Every time I see one of those, boom, do a little bit of sanitizer. Right now, I don't know if that's such a good idea because there could be contamination in the nozzle, but still I do that. So, but then we get into the, into the waiting room and I'm, I'm, I'm in full on Howard Hughes mode. Cause I'm just thinking like every toy in here, even the fishbowl, like everything in here has just been touched by sick children for years. Yeah. Never cleaned. And like, well, who, but like, yeah, I mean, they probably clean it. I mean, they certainly clean it, but I mean, still it's like just in the time we were there, the kids who were touching that, that's all sick kids touching that. That's just that little, uh, little maze game. That's just covered with snot and germs. Horrifying. Mm. I, I'm touching everything with like with my fist or like with, I, I looked, I looked completely mental. Yeah. I didn't want to touch the brochures. You keep that brochure. I don't need your cooties. Um, that sucks. Yeah. I don't know what to do about it. I mean, there's, there's. I have not actually caught up on these things, but you know, like my wife, my wife, she bought some homeopathic stuff and I was like, what are you doing? Like, you know, that's not really a thing, right? But you know, get the placebo, you got the nocebo, like who knows? Who knows? I don't know either. I think what she's been reading about was some kind of newer studies that show that if you take, so if you take enough vitamin C, 
you will uh you'll get bad bad poopy times and mm. if uh so what oh, you right 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 well i think that's mostly that may be mostly because of the stuff that's not vitamin c in the tablet you know i don't know i don't know what it is but apparently you take it up right up to that point whatever you figure out that point is you take it up to that point you up take to, it up to the poop point up to the poop point and you take it like every hour and then you have these zinc lo- so she's walking around chewing on these zinc lozenges and popping these thing and i'm like and and these zinc lozenges taste terrible i'd almost rather have a cold than eat these zinc lozenges all day long yeah yeah so i just hope yeah. i don't get it. i'm trying to not go home no i don't blame you that's the worst place to be when you have a family seriously yeah 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 but you know there's another side to this which is you know things like for example when our kid gets sick my me to an extent but to even further extent my wife my wife really starts to wonder if she's getting sick we both feel that way right you, mm-hmm. you go like oh you're really watching you're really noticing yeah and you know uh i hope i'm using the right term here but like psychosomatic um symptoms i mean it's my understanding that psychosomatic symptoms just because they're not based on coming from a real thing doesn't make them less real Mm -hmm. right (laughs) right there's certain kinds of uh if you have a feeling about that so i'm i don't know i i I tend to think that uh rest and fluids and uh positive thinking are the best thing i you know there's a phrase that i use a lot whether someone has had a family member that recently died or is having a a a bad family time or whatever there's a phrase that i i find myself using i use this with my daughter too which is also something like i hope you're hope you're feeling less bad tomorrow Mm. I, I, I think English suffers a little bit from this because we tend to say to somebody, you think the word better and the word better usually means in, in, in day to day conversation, you say like, oh, you know, I could use more salt on my dish. Oh, that's better. So that's how we usually use better in the sense of this condition is improving. But when you're talking about illness or sad times or anything, mm-hmm. yeah, better means you're all done with that now. And so I, I feel like one of the worst things you can say right, to somebody I hear who's having saying, a hard like, like time heal, is... Like healed or fully recovered, better. Well, it's, it, it can be taken to mean, I hope you're all done with that now. So like with my daughter, I try to avoid saying things like, do you feel better? And I'll, I'll, I, maybe this is just a dumb distinction I make, but I'll say, do you, hope, you, know, do you feel less bad today? Do you feel like it's getting worse or, or getting less bad? And I, I don't know, that's a distinction that's meaningful to me. Because to me, like, before you can ever get better, you have to feel less bad. I think that's true about a lot of things in life. So, like you know, that. hey, Hakuna Matata, if the zinc works, suck the lozenge. Mm. You know, I'm not here to judge so much. Yeah, I don't know. We should talk. I'll talk to John. I'll ask him what he thinks. His, uh, get him to weigh in on that. Yeah. Because I don't know. Let's see. I had a I had a potential topic from last week, and I don't know what I want to say about it, but it, but it interests me. Cool. Did you want to tell me about one more thing that you like? Sure. I'll tell you about Squarespace. Woo! You know, they've been a sponsor of ours for a very long time, and we're very grateful for it. They're still, I think, the best way to create a website online. It doesn't matter what you want to make, what kind of website it is. Sites are going to look professionally designed regardless of what kind of skill level you have, from advanced HTML uh, guru like me and Merlin or no skill at all. It doesn't matter. You can take one of their templates and you can go with it the way it is. You can completely customize it. And customizing it just means really sliding little sliders and clicking around and completely customizing your own website the way that you want. Again, no skill to do this except the fun that it takes to play around with this stuff. It, it really is fun. Go in there. You can create a website. You can do it for free. And, uh, and if you decide that you want to run with this, 
you can use the code it's your show and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. People are using Squarespace to make uh, amazing galleries if they're photographers. You can uh, you can sell stuff on Squarespace because they've got built-in e-commerce that automatically figures out like shipping costs and ties in with UPS and USPS and all these different services to make shipping like incredibly easy with like packing like everything is built into it. If you don't want to do any of that, maybe you want to host a podcast. Maybe you want to, uh, you know, you want to just write a blog or do a news site. You can do all of this with Squarespace. Why take time away from the things that you really love to do and that you're especially good at just to, to build a website? Why hire some firm to do it when Squarespace makes it so easy and it starts as low as $8 a month and you get a free domain name if you sign up for a year? So they made a special URL to support the show, squarespace.com slash back to work supports the show and use that offer code it's your show to get 10% off your first purchase thanks very much to squarespace for supporting back to work with merlin man thanks squarespace so what is your thinking what's your talk you know she's in uh, anne hathaway she's in that lame is movie anne hathaway <clears throat> she plays fontaine she sings uh, i dreamed a dream it's very lovely are you a fan of anne hathaway <laughs> Um, I, I, I think I like her more than a lot of people. And, and I, I am definitely in the group that does not understand why so many people hate her so much. Are there people I, who hate her? Oh yeah. It's like a thing. It's like an internet thing. Is it it's because really of the Catwoman thing? Oh, she was good in that. Mm. Yeah. She has a, she has pretty good makeup for a, uh, for living in a city where the infrastructure has completely fallen apart. <laughs> she looks, she looks a lot cleaner. She, everybody else looks like a wildling. She looks great. <laughs> She's like a wildling. <laughs> I like her. Uh, I thought she was fine. All right. I don't have um, a problem there. That's a really good song. It's a very sad song. It's hard to explain. There's elements of Les Mis that are hard to explain to uh, an eight-year-old without lying. We talked about this. Yeah. It's very good. You should, you should watch it. Some people don't like that movie. I like that movie. I've never seen, read, heard anything uh, about it. It's not where to start. It's not where to start. For, for, I'm, you know, we, I, I would like to think about uh, a musical... Movie musical starter pack for people. I think right. one one. I think there's one movie that is pretty hard to hate unless you have it in your DNA to just not like the whole idea of musicals, and that's uh, Singing in the Rain. Singing in the Rain is is a very fun, very entertaining movie with lots of great songs, and uh, I think there's there's a reason a lot of people think it's the greatest movie musical. It's you know it's not a pro level musical, but uh, but it's it's really quite good. That's for a different day. You know, I don't know what I've got. I'm not even sure what I want to say about this topic, but I, I've been thinking it's related to productivity. Is that all right? Yeah, I like that. I mean, that's your, that's your thing. I've been trying to think about, so here's the situation. My parents had gone on a, now I, I'm thinking about like all this stuff. I'm kind of gotten back into the home automation stuff a little bit. Oh, you ready for this? Ready to check this out? Yes. Ready for this? Hang on. <clears throat> you might have to blip the uh, trigger word here, but um, Alexa, turn on my dehumidifier. Oh, really? Hear that? I heard something turn on. Yeah. Alexa, turn off my dehumidifier. Booyah. I've been thinking about <laughs> the role of ritual and rep repetition. Okay. And I, because, and this isn't just having to do with productivity. It also has to do with mindfulness. It has to do with lots of things. But for example, I was thinking about, um, like kind of uh, on a piece of paper, I was kind of staging the setup for what I'd like to do with some hue lights at our house. And it made sense to me to sit there and kind of 
think about it on a piece of paper. And what, what's interesting is when you get into anything involving ritual, repetition, automation, I think that's always an interesting time to think about how your life actually works. How can I put this? So like, for example, like one reason we've failed in the past with having these hue lights is a really obvious one, which is that like when you put them into a lamp that goes click, click. So you turn them on with your iPhone, like a dork. Right. And then your family goes to sleep and goes click to turn them off. Well, now that's not a hue light anymore. So I've been trying to think about ways to introduce these sorts of things into life where it it is not just a nerd thing, but it actually complements the way that we live. And I find that when I start thinking in that particular way, it's one thing to say like, okay, I'm a bachelor with a couple grand to spend. What can I do to make my house more like a Jetsons kind of pad? Of course. Duh. It's another thing to say like, okay, what, what all these, we've talked a lot about, you know, machine learning, AI, all these different kinds of things. So I'm, I'm kind of in a move right now where I'm trying to look at fitting some of these different pieces together uh, to enhance stuff we actually do rather than just be a living demo house of the future. So what I'm trying to get at is that when you actually think about it in that way, you end up having to think a lot about how you live and how you work and what you do and what the patterns are and learning the times that you don't want to have to think about things, Hmm. the times that you uh, perhaps reluctantly have to think about things. And then I think interestingly, the times when you don't have to think about this, but there are certain gateways when it benefits you to think inside a repetition. Right, you don't want to have to re-remember how to brush your teeth every morning, but you know, but the times that I go and scoop the poop out of the cat box, mm-hmm. that's also an opportunity for me to remember. At some point soon, I'm going to need to replace this litter. If I replace the litter, do I also want to buy more cat food and things like that? So, I mean, this is a really kind of dumb, old school, back to workish idea. But I'm very interested in how repetition and ritual can be more than just dumb either a a dumb thing that we take care of something we don't want to think about but can go to being something a little more transformative to think about ways to improve and enhance the way that we live okay by finding meaning inside of some of those repetition and rituals and as you can tell i haven't thought about this a lot except in my brain (laughs) so give me an give me like some examples so i know where what you mean well when i first got these so basically i dug out our hue lights that i bought almost two years ago, believe it or not, and was getting them set back up. And I started thinking, what's funny is, so here's me. Let me just quickly run through, like, here's old me and, and newer me. You know, old me is, screw these into all of the lights in our in our living room. Mm-hmm. Put it into the overhead light. I got a new one called a bloom light, which is a bloom light. Bloom, which is a bloom light, light. Which is this really cool kind of light that, like, shoots a variety of different colors. It, it can be a white bulb, but it can also, like, generate a combination of colors. And... You know, the first thing you do, you put all this in, you open up the app, you get everything set up. And the first thing you do, if you're like me or like most people, is you go through all the presets. Oh, let's make it look like sunset on the savannah. Let's make it look like we live in a fish tank. I gave it to my daughter and she came up with some completely insane ones where like each light was a primary color. Plus this one is purple. (laughs) Completely very fun to make, but you would never use it. But that's the mad scientist phase that everybody goes through with this stuff is you start out by like doing all the presets, seeing what it can do, running through its paces. You know, not dissimilar from how you might try Siri for a couple things, but not find it practical so you don't really stick with it. So even when you're, you know, so let's just say, you know, Hue lights can be, or so Hue lights are basically, everybody knows what these are. It's, you get a bridge that connects via the, to the internet and via Wi-Fi so that you can control the brightness and color of lights throughout your house. So it's so a really obvious example that's super cool is at night, like last night I watched a bunch of Game of Thrones episodes because I'm obsessed. And so I 
have this, it's called a scene where all of the lights are barely, barely, barely on. And they're like a dark red where it almost looks like, uh, like a, like a dark room in a mm-hmm. movie. Right. That That's the kind of thing where like, that's handy to be able to hit a button and have your whole room to go, go to that. But that's kind of still a, a specialist kind of thing to want to do with lights. So, but if you just go with these presets and start clicking, well, first of all, you have to use your phone to turn the lights on and yeah. off, which is silly. Yeah. So who's, who's going to do that? Uh, and so you end up playing with that for a week or two and then go, this is silly. And you put the old bulbs in or, or whatever. But they've introduced a new thing um, called that uh, Belkin has, not Belkin, I guess, no, it, it would be Phillips. Phillips put out this thing called the tap, which is kind of a lifesaver. It's this little uh, uh, round dingus and it has four buttons on it to which you can attach presets. So one button can be off. One is make this our normal lighting in the room. Uh, make the, there's another one that makes the room pink like my daughter likes, et cetera, et cetera. That's actually helped a lot. So now that's a thing where a normal person could go and click that on and off. But it's just, it's just funny because in trying to set that up in a way that it's more than just a parlor trick, it makes me think a lot about how we actually live. I, forgive me if this sounds ridiculous, but I think there's a larger meaning to be drawn from this kind of rumination. So like, for example, there's several things. So basically my wife has almost no opinion about any of this stuff, except for some extremely important opinions. She does not <laughs> like the overhead light being on. And I agree with her. It's ugly. It makes it look like an airport in there. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. She also lights. does not like when the lights are very blue. Right? Mm. So, like, there's one There's one mode called concentrate. Or no, there's one called energize, where it makes all the lights very bright and blue. And it makes the place, it looks like you're having in the middle of a raid. Like, it's really low. Like, you know, or like a bathroom. Um, but she, so, so one of the first things I did was set up one called normal. And normal is the lamps by where both of us sit are on all the way at a kind of warm um, setting. And the light over by the TV is on a little dimmer, but at the same setting. The bloom light is off. The overhead is off. So when you come in, you can hit that button. And now you've got like the, the setup that we have, you know, six out of seven nights in a week. But it really made me think about stuff like, well, what does that other person want? What are, what are some ways that this is actually going to make this person's life more unpleasant rather than more pleasant, right? What are the, and so that's, that's, that's the kind of thinking I'm leading toward here. Now, you don't do a lot of the home automation stuff. I don't do any of it. Okay. But you do use things like Siri and dictation. Oh, a lot. And I use the um, Amazon Echo a lot, but I don't, oh, right. I, okay. I don't use it. I don't use any of that stuff to control any aspects of anything in my life other than like asking it for information or scheduling something or to-do listing or the stuff that we, directions, things like that, that we've talked about. I don't have it controlling physical things in in my life do you ever use it to order things or reorder things i have used the uh the amazon echo to do that i use which is neat because they just added the thing i I say just added i just learned about it recently maybe you even talked about it before but i think now they have expanded what the the echo can do so that if you if you just, it used to, my understanding was it used to be reordering stuff. So if you mm-hmm. had ordered a, the Hugh Bloom before, you could say order order Hugh Bloom. And you'd be like, oh, you ordered this on this day. Do you want me to order it again? Yes. Okay, done. Now uh, you can actually really shop with it. And I think it's anything that's listed in Amazon Prime, maybe. You can just tell the Echo to order it and it will say, I found this. Do you want me to order it? Even if it's not something you've ordered before. They've also made it, I, a thing I think is kind of recent is uh, you can have a, a pin 
so that you don't get, you know, your kids war dialing Shopkins or something right, like right, that. Right, right, right. So you can have like a four digit code. That, yeah. Shopkins. Oh, God. I never feel lower than when I'm paying for Shopkins. Oh my God. Do you have um, the big case for them? We got, we, we hacked on it and got a, it looks like a thing that's, that a beautician would use for brushes or something. We got like a little roll up case, but no, no, it's the worst kind of toy. It's the, it's the worst kind of toy. Cause it's exactly, it's the kind of toy that my daughter likes shopping for and buying and then doesn't play with. No, it's the worst. Yeah. But, um, and then another thing that I think you've done way longer than I ever did is don't you use, is it, do you still use Siri to respond to text messages a lot? Yes, especially. It, you seem it, to have very good success with that. I have very good success with that for some reason. And I do that quite a lot. I don't think I do it as much now as I do with dictation, but I do a lot of like, so let's say I'm driving and I hear a text message come in. And I will ask Siri to read it to me and it will read it. And I'll say, you know, tell my wife I'm driving in the car or whatever, or yes, I'll pick up this thing or, you know, whatever it is. That's when it's super, super handy for me because then it's a completely hands-free thing. You don't have to look at the phone. You don't have to touch the phone. It all just works, which I really like. Um, But I use dictation, which technically I guess isn't Siri, but feeds into, into the Siri knowledge base. I use the dictation so much for everything. And the reason that I haven't got so much into home automation is simply if my my wife and family in general are not into things that don't work really well because if if it doesn't work really well or if if they have to be present while I'm fine tuning things, that that can generate a lot of chaos and uh, children fighting and other things. So like when I got, I got the, um, the dot, the echo, uh, I brought the, I brought the Amazon echo home and there was a lot of shouting and fighting over who gets to pick what song it plays and who gets to ask it a question and who gets to say goodnight to it last and all of these other fighting things. So I had to take it away and they were both very sad that I'd taken it away. And I thought, okay, I'm going to get the little, the little dot Instead, because it's speaker kind of, it it's fine for talking to it, but it sucks for playing music. It's basically, I mean, I have it right next to my bed and it's basically, it sounds like the clock radio. It's it about the quality like clock of the clock radio. Yeah. yeah. And I knew that they wouldn't want to like jam out and dance and, and war over the music. So I brought, I got that one for home and that, that one has been working great. And so they ask it questions. They set timers all the time with it. They, um, you know, they, I haven't told them that you can order stuff with it, which I'm a little worried about, but they they really enjoy that, and I would love to be able to tell it to turn things on and off. But the minute that that doesn't work, or the minute that my kids realize that you can turn things on and off with it, that that the wars will begin, and I'm just I'm not ready for it. I'm not ready for it. Yeah, I wonder how long that novelty. The thing is, for a little kid, I mean, you know, my uh, my kid has finally not finally she's she's gotten really good at. Lots of stuff on the iPad and the iPhone. Um, and one of those is I've tried to demonstrate, you know, there's certain kinds of things where it really is faster to just speak it. Yeah. And, and I think she's gotten pretty good at that. So it would just be funny to hear her in the next room going like, papercraft, papercraft, gravity <laughs> falls. Right. And, you know, and, and it's, it's pretty crazy. Let me, let me toss out this, um, this is a phrase. I wish I could remember where I've talked about this before, but there's this very short phrase that goes through my mind that I think is really useful 
when you're thinking about work and when you're thinking about life and when you're thinking about stuff, it's super useful for work, but I want to, I want to apply it here to this, this home repetition um, yeah. world. And then it's the phrase, what happens next or put differently. And then what happens? So like, if you think about like when you're trying to design like a, an interface or, you know, whatever you would call it, when you're doing a functional workflow, this path, when the user's doing this kind of thing, these kinds of things, you don't, you frequently have to say like, well, then what happens? Mm-hmm. So in a couple ways, one way is like, let's say it's even just, I guess, login screens are the kind of thing you just bootstrap nowadays. But, but you know, just even something as basic as, you know, you go to this screen, do you want to sign up or log in? What happens when you do that? If you fail at the password, what screen do you get? If you click on forgot password, what happens? Even something as simple as that, that now is, like I say, in most frameworks, probably. Like you think about, you're essentially answering the question and then what happens, right? So like when you're, when you enter in, you correctly enter, you put the correct name, the correct password, then what happens? Well, you click this button and you go to this page. Okay, well, and then what happens? So there's so many levels where I think that's an interesting question to ask. One is the most basic, like as I'm designing this, or as I'm going through this recipe, or as I'm preparing to leave the house in the morning, you think think through the and then what happens part of it. Yeah. And it's just a nice way to figure out the stuff that you've got to do. Um, at a deeper level, it's an interesting way to troubleshoot and bug, uh, debug life. And this is why like, I, I sometimes seem like I'm over-preparing for things, and perhaps I am. But I use and then what happens to think about stuff like, okay, uh, let's say there's a sudden like a 10 degree drop in temperature. Well, mm-hmm. then what happens? Uh, oh, well, I guess we need a jacket, have a jacket for that. Well, like, what if it starts to rain? Does that mean we take an Uber? Does that mean we take a, you know what I mean? Do we take the, there's all these kinds of ways where when you start asking yourself that question, yeah. it's not a way of being a karma suck. It's a way of saying like, what are the different branches that can come out of whatever it is that I'm working on? And like I say, I think that applies a lot to work. And I think you, one asks oneself that question a lot of the time without realizing it. But if you make it a practice to say, and then what happens as you're thinking about almost anything, well, there's a way to problematize. There's a way to like overthink these things. But like, for example, this is why I'm not personally into the selling of hard goods. Um, like, you know, I don't want to sell like textiles or well, like for a program, like I'm happy to work with Cotton Bureau and have, oh, yeah. okay. and have them take a cut or Squarespace for that matter or hover or any of these things. Because when you get to the end, then what happens? Like to me, it doesn't take more than three and then what happens before I'm ready to tear my hair out. Mm. Like having to find, source these shirts, figure out, you know, how it's going to be printed. Uh, well, does, did the print work right? Does it take to the, this particular kind of shirt and look good? Ugh, I don't know. Well, then what happens? Well, I guess we better test it. Well, you test it and so on. And then, but then you get to like, who's going to fulfill that? Like, who's going to put those things in a bag? Okay, then what happens? Well, somebody puts it in a bag. Then what happens? They put postage on it. Okay, what if it's for Germany? Well, I guess you put German postage. Well, what about customs? Have you thought about what happens with customs and with all these taxes that get added on when you go to other countries? Then what happens? What if it doesn't arrive? What if it's in shreds? Who answers the support email about that? Then what happens? Well, I guess I'm the one now who's doing support for an angry person in Germany who was nice enough to buy my shirt. Like, it doesn't take that many. And then what happens before I'm more than happy to hand that entire thing off right. to somebody who does that and let them take a cut? Their cut is going to be worth way more than to me than having to become an amateur t-shirt salesman. Like, I don't want to do that. It's not that I don't want to sell shirts. I just don't want to be responsible for German customer support. So what I'm trying to get at, though, is that it, so it's, it's good for thinking through your workflow of like what you're doing. It's, it's another f- version of what I would call walking through the project you know, then what happens. But you can also get into some interesting, like I think about back in the day when my old boss would push back on all my ideas for features, if I could not write a spec that explained 
well, how the flows worked, where the data come, would come from, and what happens when things went wrong. Because, you know, any idiot can come up with a feature for this kind of thing. But to create something beautiful that's easy to use requires you to think about all the ways, not just the things that can go, can go wrong, but the way that this thing could be happening very differently from how you think it would happen. Right. The user is not going to use this the same way that you think about it. And so, I don't know, I found that phrase is really useful and I guess I want to localize that to the experience of thinking about how you introduce these new kinds of things into your life and how you can actually benefit from and then what happens thinking. Yeah, I mean, the the and then what happens thing, as I, I know it's not the same, really the same genre that you're talking about, but I remember years ago when I was in, uh, when I was in therapy for like generalized oh, yeah, anxiety right, right. disorder, right? And, yeah, when well, you didn't want to fly. Ah, uh, yeah, that, that was that. W- that was definitely a, a big one for me. And uh, my therapist, she who was just amazing in in all the ways you would want a therapist to be amazing. I remember one time I was talking to her, and I, I forgive me if I've told this story already, but I think it's somewhat relevant. Yeah, but it's it, a it's a good story, and it's it's every story everybody needs to hear. Yeah, well, she was saying. I remember I, one time in particular we were talking about. Um, the sort of and then what happens kind of thinking in in how if you're dealing with anxiety and other things like that, how it can really kind of become like a downward spiral. But she was kind of using it as, as an example of I think I was saying one time like, oh, you know, I didn't didn't go on a run yesterday because I, you know, my iPod wasn't charged. And she's like, well, you know, what would happen if you went on a run and your iPod wasn't charged? And of course, this, she's talking about it in a different way than you were. but. You know, she was saying, I was like, well, then I wouldn't have any music while I went on a jog. And she's like, what would happen then if you didn't have music when you went on a jog? I'm like, then I I don't know what would happen, you know, and it kind of was this like, then I might be bored. I might have to listen to nothing. She's like, cool. Wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> you know, and uh, and it's, you know, there is something that's really, really for me, a challenge because there's a way to do this skillfully and there's a way to to, to go down a, a bad path. Do you know what I mean? When you're doing this kind of thing or Oh no, no, I, I, I totally agree. I don't think it's I don't think it's unrelated at all because in, in both cases it's you suffer from bumping up against uh, trying to make something actually real out of this world of whether that's anxiety right. or positive thinking. You're trying to say, well, no, what, what would happen in that case? It's the same thing. I went through this last week with my daughter to very little positive effect, but you know, she really didn't want to go to the doctor because for her doctor equals equals hypodermic needle. Right. And so there's right. not much I can do to talk her out of that because that's just a strong emotional bond that I happened to share when I was her age. But most, <sighs> most kids associate pediatric medicine with getting a shot. Well, and it all, I mean, like for myself, like, you know, it, it, it's all, it's, there's many senses involved. There's smells you only smell in a hospital or doctor's office, right? There's, there's the smells, there's the sights, the, the lights, there's that feeling of anxiety. And it's easy to trigger negative, mostly negative, but po- sometimes positive, mostly negative feelings from the way that those senses interact. And we can very, I think most of us can very easily place ourselves into a situation where that starts to feel very real. So I was trying to say, again, I'm not, this is not great parenting advice because it didn't work, but I was saying, well, like when you imagine going uh, to the doctor, like it, it's mainly a shot, right? 
Is that mainly it? Like, what, what is the thing? Right. That if this goes as badly as you think it does, what is it that's going to happen? And I think that was definitely part of it, but it's also just the anxiety. It's, it's the feeling about the feeling that's difficult in that case. So, no, I, I don't think that's unrelated at all. I, I don't. I mean, and it's, and I'm, I'm trying to keep this light. I don't mean to make this into some kind of huge thing about planning out your entire life. I'm just saying that, like, there are opportunities to reduce stress and become a little more mindful by asking those kinds of questions. It doesn't have to be about soul searching. It could be something as simple as, you know, um, if somebody else in the house comes in here and wants to read at 11 o'clock, how hard will they need an iPhone to turn on the lights? Right. Because if I do the what happens next, or, you know, and then what happens with that, I very quickly get to like, no, this is just this dumb thing I did because I have these bulbs. Or, you know, it's there, but there's something, hmm, how can I put this? Um, I'm all, you know, again, the, the cat box is another example. It could be something involving like groceries, but ju- there's just this certain way my mind works where like I want to try and benefit from modalities. And so thinking about a certain thing a certain way, this in some ways this goes back to getting things done. Uh, the book by David Allen, which encourages you to think in terms of projects, which are sort of, you know, noun-based outcomes, right. and, in, and in terms of context, which are verb-based activities. And that there is a benefit to thinking modally like that. So you might want to say, well, regardless of what project this is, there are things that I, like if I'm going to go shopping, and let's say I'm going to do one of my twice-a-year trips to something like a Home Depot, well, you know, my, my normal kind of lizard brain says, ugh, got to go to Home Depot. Right. I'm going to go there. I'm going to buy this whatever weird tool that I need for this thing. And then I'm going to get out of there. A more Because that's the verb. The verb is go to Home Depot, try to get out alive. But a more project, you know, there's another way to think about that is like, what are all the aspects of things related to Home Depot? Not because I'm looking to spend money, because this could actually really benefit me. So you might do things like I've got a running list of stuff I want to fix around the house. So I know that the next time we hire an electrician, here's these things I want to get taken care of. I don't have to think about it all the time. If I think of it, it goes on the list. And in that same way, going to Home Depot does not have to be this like dark night of the soul, but being aware of saying like, okay, I'm going to Home Depot. What are other kinds of things? You could just walk around your house and realize, oh, that's right. This smoke alarm is 13 years old. (laughs) I should probably get a new smoke alarm at some point. So you might even just say like, okay, so no, does that mean put it on your list? Maybe. Maybe another thing would be, you know, I'm not really up on smoke alarms. Maybe I should go and learn a little, go to wire cutter or sweet home and like learn a little bit about, um, about, um, smoke alarms. And then when you do that, you go like, and this sounds like a rabbit hole, but I don't think it has to be. I think it just means understanding that like, it's not, you're, you're left to our own devices. If you're like me, your brain is going to be like, so it's going to be like your front yard after a light rain. And there's going to be all these little sprouts of activity, little ideas coming up here and there. And I guess part of what I'm counseling here is it is advisable to realize that inside of all of these random events happening in our life, there are opportunities for a little bit of mindfulness by being aware that we can probably hook several things together in terms of, of efficiencies, economies of scale, thinking ahead, and then eventually improving your life even just a tiny bit by not having to be out of milk ever again. Because part of your workflow is, just remember, like in my case, like now we're getting into like Merlin's a crazy person, but I don't like running out of stuff in the house, like milk or half and half. And so I try to make a practice of combing through. I have little reminders to like check on these things periodically so we don't forget those. But in every one of those little dumb moments of shaking the bottle of milk, there is a chance for mindfulness because somewhere in there is an opportunity to also realize there may be other stuff that I need to think about. That's kind of what I'm getting to. I like that. And I, I very much 
am with you on, and I think running out of things is such a great example because it's something that seems like you can so easily avoid doing that, but it requires that extra, that extra step, that extra little bit of thinking, mindfulness, whatever you want to call it, where you are, you're very much aware of what's there in your house, in your pantry and whatever. And most people are, are just kind of saying, Oh, I'm out of this thing. I better go to the store. And you get to the store and once you get back and like, Oh crap, I forgot that return I had. Or, I oh, hate I, that. You know, I, I forgot really to do this. hate that feeling. You know, this morning, uh, I had a nice, nice morning, you know, on my family sick and everything, but still like it was a nice morning. I was helping out and, uh, and I left to drive into the studio here and I got all the way down to the end of the neighborhood and I realized, Oh, like I didn't, pack my lunch. I didn't bring any of the stuff that I was planning to take to work to eat today. So I had to drive back. And then after I drove back and got it, I, you know, and, and here's the thing, I live in like a fairly large neighborhood and it's, uh, if you get behind somebody slow for whatever reason, it it can add at least five, eight minutes to get out of the whole, just to get out of the neighborhood because they're driving slow. There's no way to get around them. So that can be incredibly frustrating, especially if you're like in a hurry. But oh, yeah. When I got back and I, I, I realized, you know what, like there was simply no reason that I forgot this stuff. So I went back in and my son's like, dad, why do you keep leaving and coming back? I'm like, I keep forgetting things. That's why. And he's like, all right, give me another hug goodbye. And I, I, you know, I put the thing back in the, the, got the lunch together and took it in the car and drove out. And of course, as soon as I turn out, I'm behind somebody going really, really slow. But instead of feeling like angry about this, it occurred to me that number one, like this was not the guy's fault for driving slow. It was my fault because I was already out of the neighborhood. I had to go back, you know? So, but instead of getting angry about it, I looked at the upside to it. I looked at the fact that I was able to like get an extra hug from my kid and I was able to now drive out and that, you know, any kind of frustration or anger would be displaced because something actually kind of like good came out of it. And it also could have been worse. I could have made it all the way to work before I remembered it. All of the, this sort of, so much of what I think I hear you talking about can also be framed in like the right mindset and there is something to be said for the mindset of thinking okay i now have to go to home depot to get whatever it is that i need to get but there's an opportunity here what's the opportunity the opportunity could be look at the smoke alarms the opportunity could be find other things that i'm out of and Again, here we go back to like our theme. I think our running theme, if somebody was going to talk to me about like what has been our theme over 200 and almost eight, whatever, 80 episodes or whatever, I'd say it's making good lists. Because if you have like an, a running list for Home Depot or Target or whatever it is, the store that you go to, like, okay, I'm going there now. What's on the list of things that I've thought of over the last, you know, three, four, five weeks? are things that I need to get, things I need to look at, things I need to price or research. And then when you go, you're like, this is the complete household list for this place. Nothing can be forgotten. Nothing can be forgotten. So you can go there and you can get it all at once. Now, doing that requires having a little list on your phone or on a, you know, on a little, uh, on a little note that's on the side of the fridge or whatever it is. But very few people want to go to Home Depot. So why go twice in a month if you could get away with going once in a month? I love your example of that because it's it's something we all inevitably wind up having to do and it it, it becomes an opportunity then. It becomes an opportunity to say, you know what, I and, and this all goes back to my pizza delivery job when I was in high school and early college in that 
before the days of computers and before the days of GPS and before all of that, they would send you out with three or four addresses and you had to look at the map before you left and remember where it was, but they would group uh, they would group orders together. So if you had an order in this neighborhood and then there was the adjacent neighborhood and then there was one on the way back, they would give you those and you would take all three or four deliveries at one time, run up there and deliver them because, of course, it was more efficient to do that. But what that taught me at an early age was this kind of in-depth planning of like, what's the most efficient route to get to these three places? I know I have to go to these three how do I get there? What's the best way to do it? And that really changed my thinking at a young age. And we mm-hmm. do that all the you time. You think about it really differently. You really do. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. The list thing is an interesting point because maybe that's another part of what I'm trying to say is that, um, you know, it's, it's sort of, and it also goes back to my realizing how important it was to me to always carry around um, something to write with and something to write on. Uh, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. whether it's an index card or a notebook or whatever, but you're, you, you you can cause a very salutary change in your perception if you start carrying around something to write on and something to write with. Sure, it could be your phone. But if, if you're getting started with it, I think a notepad's an even better idea. But the, the basic idea is that you no longer have an excuse not to think about something because, you know, your, your brain, you can't fool your brain. Your brain is if there's, you know, in some cases you know, whether or not I can do anything about this, this is going to be on my mind. It's, right. There's something beneficial to being able to say, this is something I can't do anything about right now. So let me put it here. The list stuff I think is super smart. So for example, in notes on my Apple devices, I have lots of running lists that really come down to, you know, something somebody recommended and who that person was. And sometimes I'll say why, but like, you know, there'll be TV shows, comics, books, YouTube videos, whatever it is. And, you know, now it's, it's easier than ever to like say, you know, add this item to my videos list and things like that. Um, you can even deal with Siri. But that to me is beneficial because there's a couple of little cognitive leaps in that. Um, one of them, I guess, importantly, there is a place where this can and should go now. So the list of like home projects even if I don't open that for months, it's always there. And if it does occur to me, I need to do something. There's one and only one place that that goes. And mm-hmm. I think that's really useful. Of course, then it does take the intelligence and presence of mind to go back, you know, to remember to go and look at it. But um, but it also, I don't know how, it's, it's such a fine distinction. But I think that causes you to think a little bit differently if you get in the habit of doing that. And you remember to like write it down. Or in my case, like for the place we um, sometimes get groceries delivered from, if there's a big item, I don't write it down on a list somewhere. I just add it to the app and now it's in there. You can do this for Amazon. This is not just about buying things, but that's certainly part of it. But once you get into this kind of thinking, you don't have to become a super nerd about it, but these pieces can start to fit together. One ritual and repetition is picking my kid up from school. Well, there's all kinds of things that I can and should be thinking about even for something as simple as pick up kid, walk home. That includes stuff like, remember, every week at least go look in Lost and Found because Lost and Found will almost always have something of hers in it. And at the end of the <laughs> month, they sell it and then take the money. Right. Like That's the thing. Like right. you're, you're, That cool Captain America jacket will be gone and she'll be sad. Um, remember to do that. So that's, that's the kind of thing where I can say, hey, Dingus, remind me to look in Lost and Found when I arrive at school in two hours. And that'll bloop me when I arrive there. But so, so I think to somebody from the outside, that seems really nerdy. Like, why wouldn't you just remember to do that? Well, the truth is I won't remember to do that. So I rely so heavily 
on Apple reminders for stuff like this to where I look like a lunatic where I'll just be walking around with my family. I'm just talking to my phone all the time saying like, you know, uh, remember to turn the water heater back up when I arrive at the house in four hours. And you know, that's, that might seem weird, but like now I, I don't have to remember that. I don't have to think of that. And sometimes I'll pause in that moment and go, wait a minute, is there other stuff I need to remember to do when I get home? And I'll force myself even for five seconds into that what happens next mode, then what happens mode. And sometimes that makes me a little bit smarter. Another thing I do is there's the old joke again from, I can never remember, this might be David Allen's joke, it might be mine, but the time you're least likely to remember you need toilet paper is when you're in the aisle at the grocery store. There's a small house, there's a small room in your house where you're much more likely to remember you're out of toilet paper. <laughs> well, capitalize on that. Like if something occurs to you, like write it down or capture it somewhere when, when that is valuable to you. And a great example of that for me is travel. I, I am never more acutely aware of what I wish I had than when I'm somewhere where I can't get it, Right. which makes it exactly the right time to remember for next time. I'm likewise from the second I step into the door, the last thing I, when I get back home, the last thing I want to think about is traveling again. I'm not even unpack my suitcase for a few days. I'm just like, I just want to get in here with my own shower, with my own soap and my own shampoo and my own coffee. I want to be in my environment. I don't want to think about that. So I have a running list in my, um, you know, text files, which is the, this generic travel list that is so silly and so long because it's a travel list. That is all the stuff that I could need for a personal or professional trip. It's all the things that my family would need on a personal trip. It's for environments all over the place. And so there's stuff in there to open that list up on its own seems mental because like, why would I need a VGA adapter and a swimsuit and my daughter's uh, rocket raccoon uh, headphones? Like what situation will I ever need all of these things? Well, I won't. So what that means is I open it up I duplicate that. And when it's time to travel, well, second, when it's time to travel, I go in, tick off or delete all the stuff that I don't need for this trip. But you know what? That's not hard to do. The important part is the number one part, which is every time I think of some dumb annoyance where I wish I had, I wish I had gaffer's tape with me to cover up these LED lights. I wish I had a big cup to drink water. I wish that I had index cards because you know what? For some reason, it isn't until I'm in the hotel room that I wish I had index cards. Put it on the list when you're in the hotel room. It doesn't fix that time. Right, but you but it remember fixes next time. It fixes next time. And so that's it. That's a huge example of, of then what happens. It's just that like your brain gets so wound up in what's happening right now that you kind of don't want to think. And it feels like a waste of time. It feels silly. But I guess I'm, I'm trying to, uh, first of all, I just want to socialize that idea of the, and then what happens notion and trying to apply that in little ways in life. Not doesn't have to be huge ways. And I guess the other thing is I'm trying to find, um, some sublime aspects of life in what could be mind numbing rituals and the opportunities that can provide. So, you know, maybe if I take a different route coming home from picking up my kid, I can also run these errands. But like, would I remember that there's an event happening in this park on that day? Well, where does that go? That should go somewhere. Well, now we've got a fun thing we can do on the way walking home. But I wouldn't think of that if I'm in that heads down, must get through one thing of bring kid home from school. Like there's little, there's little moments in life where you can find uh, wonder and uh, reduction of stress by like reexamining some of these things. I got more on this, but uh, don't tell me about the third thing you like. Third thing I like. Yeah. I like Wealthfront. 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 It's a great way to invest. It's an automated investment service. They have nearly $3 billion that they manage in client assets. That's 
pretty impressive and they've grown a lot and they've grown a lot because they're really good. Basically, what they do is they make it possible for you if you have 500 bucks uh, or like 5 million bucks, it doesn't really matter. You can invest and you get the same access to their professional investment management that uh, that somebody with millions of dollars is going to get. And that's new and that's really different. They don't charge any trading commissions. Uh, they're completely free for accounts under $10,000. And for accounts larger than $10,000, their management fee is only 0.25% per year. What they did is they combined the best modern tech with rigorous investment research. They cut out the middleman and they give anybody and everybody sound investment management. It's the way to save for the long term. This isn't like a day trading thing. This is like, I have money I want to put away for the future. I don't know how to invest the money. I don't want to know how to invest the money. I don't even want to think about it. I just want to know that the money that I'm putting away is going to grow. It's going to it's going to be reinvested when it needs to be reinvested. And that's what Wealthfront does, and they do it very, very well. They've set up a special URL for listeners of this show. It's Wealthfront, wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 You go there, and uh, you can see what they will recommend for your profile. You tell them, like, whether you're conservative or aggressive, and they create this custom profile just for you guys, just for for listeners to this show. They have a special deal. They will manage your first $15,000 entirely free of charge for life. So in addition to never paying commissions, not paying any hidden fees, you also won't pay any management fees on your first fifteen k. So go check it out. Support the show. Go to Wealthfront.com slash 5 by 5 Thanks, Wealthfront. Bok, bok. Bok, bok. They get a much more grown up and mature. Bok, bok. Because <laughs> money's a real thing. <laughs> That's true. There's a, a book that came out a few years ago. I've never read the book, uh, but I've read uh, about the book in the New York Times, which is almost as good. It's the same and thing it, as reading it. It's a lot like it. Well, you know, self-help books. Huh? Uh, it's called The Checklist Manifesto. But I remember hearing about this, um, I think from this New York Times article. I forget where, but... Um, this is something that a lot of people in, in medicine or in cooking, um, lots of people who are open to the idea of improvement will talk about the benefits of checklists where, you know, one, I, I suspect that one reason we, the United States currently has such a good record of um, safety in um, commercial uh, air flights is because of these really rigorous checklists that you go through. Where it's like, you know, you've done this stuff a million times or, you know, hundreds of times. If you're somebody who's down there with the orange popsicles, you know, waving the plane in, or you're the person who's running the plane, or, you know, you're the pilot, you're the, you know, flight attendant, you, you know how to do all this stuff out of repetition. So it takes a certain amount of humility to accept, adopt, and rigorously work a checklist. But, uh, not to spoil the ending here, but people who iterate, who create work iterate and then rework and redo checklists get good at stuff because you never you stop making as many dumb mistakes and dumb mistakes are a really natural thing i mean we're human beings we we chunk we have heuristics we you know have different things on our mind at a given time but there's something really powerful about a checklist that it does not have to make you a, a tightly wound crazy person but you know a basic kind of checklist could be like you know, like think about when you got a, a baby, there's stuff you're just always going to need to do and to pick up at the store. There's just various kinds of things that you're always going to have to do. Like why have to remember that each time, especially when you're sleep deprived. And that, that brings me to this. I'm looking at this travel list, but I've got my canonical travel list here, which is crazy. It's pretty long. 
But I've got stuff in here about there's big this the major sections in my travel list are before leaving, packing, on location, and upon returning. Which sounds mental. Like, why would I do this? I'm a grown man. I know these things. How about the here's here's a good one? So the packing stuff is all straight up stuff. Like in this case, I still got something in here from when I knew I was going to be conducting this wedding. So I had to bring my credentials and the wedding vows. Oh my God, you don't want to forget that. Oh my God, the wedding vows. I also need to bring the poem that my wife is going to read. Add that to the list. You don't want to forget that. You know, bring an extra copy. Even if she's got one, bring an extra copy. Right. Like have that on the list. Other dumb stuff. Like like I said, gaffer's tape, uh, electronic. Uh, I like those little mic- microfiber cloths for you know cleaning my phone. All the way down to like, remember toothbrush and toothpaste. Yes, that is in my go bag. It's always ready to go. Is it all in there? Do you need to refill this thing of witch hazel? Do you need to do you need to get a new shaving cream? Because remember, buddy, when you came back from that last trip, you probably did not have it on top of mind to remember to buy a new deodorant and put it in there. Well, that goes on a list somewhere. And now you're you're taking care of that thing too, right? So the packing list is the obvious one. The part where I think I got a little smart is under the before leaving. And I have two sections under before leaving. One is the week before leaving, and then on the day of leaving. Is this too boring? Can I do no, this? No, this is great. So the week before leaving, if, I need, if I'm going to be away for a while, remember to schedule a mail hold. And I have the link. This is a basically a um, uh, task paper list that I've gotten, <clears throat> got in here. It includes a URL. I just click that link and I go to the section on the site where you go and you can order a mail hold. Do I need to schedule the cat person to look in on the cat? Okay, remember to do that. How about this one? You're probably going to need stuff for the trip. Is there anything you need to order from Amazon? before you go? Well, think of that a week before, not the day before. Right. Right? Think about stuff like, okay, your kid's going to have an iPad to look at. Is there, are there any movies that you want to download? Because believe me, you do not want to be at the airport trying to download Doctor Who over airport Wi-Fi. Do it while you're at home. Do it ahead of time. Ask about it. Oh, did you not ask? Put it on the list. Or remember to go ask. Hey, what do you want to watch? Big Hero 6? No problem. You know, and that will take from one minute to six hours, even on fast Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> so do that before. Anyway, I'm kind of proud of that one because it took me years of dumb mistakes to remember that like there's stuff I need to do before the stuff I need to do, the dependencies. On the day of leaving, remember to turn down the pilot light. Make uh make sure the pilot light is lit, you know? Turn down the water heater, turn down the heat, turn off all the appliances, check the locks, all that kind of stuff. And for an even just slightly OCD-ish mind like mine, that's really satisfying. And then when I come back, you do it all in reverse, right? You got to pick up the mail. You got to, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So like right here, another on location, uh, get some seltzer. Okay, where do I get seltzer? Do I want to look that up? We'll go look it up and then put it on the list. Maybe add that to a note somewhere about like places that are nearby where you're staying. I don't know. I just think these kinds of things, it's a benefit to have this because you get to be a dum-dum and just run through this stuff. But the other benefit is like, hey, you know what? You get a cookie because you thought ahead. Like that's not a bad way to think about stuff. And that's where I think the, and then what happens becomes useful. Checklists. I like checklists. And I like the way that you describe this process. And there is that level of refinement to it. You know, even when it comes to, and trips are such a great example because people, and, and you kind of either travel a bunch or you don't. And the people who don't are the ones who probably need the lists the most, you know, because it's so easy to forget you know, somebody like uh, our friend John Roderick, he travels all the time. So he's basically always ready to go. He could go on a trip in an hour. Whereas for most people, if you're like, you're about to get on a plane, 
and fly across the country and you'll be gone for a week. How does that make you feel? Most people will be like, oh crap, I don't even know what to, how to begin. How would I begin to prepare? For John, he's like, all right, I'll see you there. See you at the airport. Um, and that's because he does it a lot. And when I was in a, a very busy travel cycle, I started to learn a lot of these tricks and these techniques. And that's why people who travel a lot are so calm about it. It's because they begin to do it a lot and they, they, they know what's involved. But it's even more important for people who don't travel a lot to really think about it, to really plan and yeah. to have this kind of a checklist. And uh, because it, you can be taken by surprise and it can really affect the quality of your trip. But there's other, ve- yes, I agree. And that's all true. But there are other vectors to this that I want to acknowledge and, and tease out. If you are a mostly single person who is <clears throat> traveling on a flight without transfers to a place where someone will pick you up in a car and ferry you around and then bring you back for the flight back, you don't even, ha- you don't have to think about it that, that much, really. The other, but there are other vectors here. I'll tell you one big vector is family. Like what happens when the trip is not just about you? And now it is your responsibility to do more than your part to make sure this trip goes well. So that's going to mean lots of stuff about like, have you thought about when we go through customs? Have you thought about where you're going to pack this particular thing? Because on the one hand, you don't want to set off the dingers on you know TSA. But on the other hand, is the kid going to want this on the flight? This, requ- this requires this thinking like to the next level. There's all kinds of stuff. If you're going to go stay somewhere like you've rented a cabin or a B&B, Airbnb place for a right. week and you're going to go somewhere, right. like, do you know what, what kind of facilities they have there? Do they have a good... If you're going to cook a lot, do they have a good chef's knife? Don't count on that. Right. Well, that seems random, Merlin. You know what? It is random because that would not occur to you until you're a place at a place where they've got Kmart knives. Like it's on you to think of all of that kind of stuff. If your kid does get sick, like for example, I always carry, I always have like at least like two to five kids Tylenols in my backpack. Like, why would I need that? I'm not a child. Yes, but I'm with a child who might. Like that's the kind of thing where like, that's not that hard to think through. Have that stuff with you, but it does mean getting way beyond the like, what will make, what movies do I want to make me comfortable for my one hour flight? When you have to start thinking about other people, you, you really have to force yourself to do this. You know, uh, does your kid have allergies? Is there any kind of like a health condition in your family where this stuff might come up? I'm not trying to make this dire. What I'm trying to say is like, if it takes that amount of motivation to get you to think this way, so be it. But like what in, in being so dramatic about this, it's easy to overlook the fact that these are really just kind of ways to have a nicer life is to just think a little bit more about these little things. And then, uh, you may find that things get better. Uh, you, you have more fun when you go and you do things, there's less stress. And for the love of God, if you're the kind of person who stresses out because you weren't prepared, you know, you don't have to go crazy about this. You don't have to get, you know, get, you know, pathological about it. But, but these are valuable things. Like in your case, I mean, God, having all your kids go somewhere, that's, that's a lot to manage. It is. And, and, you know, it's funny because we were talking about, you know, we're going to do a little summer trip and, you know, my wife always likes the idea of going to a, you know, renting like a little condo or something like that. And even though doing this creates so much work for her because, you know, like, okay, well, we've got to have food and then we've got to have all the stuff to prepare the food and we got to have the right, you know, like you're saying, you got to have the right knife because we know, you just know the ones in the, in the condos are going to suck. You are. And I can't tell you, I think every single time that we've ever rented one of these things ever, the Wi-Fi never works and I wind up having to fix it. 
You know, little right. things like that. Like, so I went and I got one of these little, they're cheap on Amazon. They're like a little tiny Wi-Fi hotspot that plugs into just a regular cable modem or a router or whatever. And they're super cheap and you just plug it in and it, you know, it's, it's maybe the size half a deck of cards and this thing just plugs in and it's USB powered. It's great. So you can yeah. just plug it in and like, now you've got Wi-Fi. And I've wound up needing that so much, and I use it in a hotel, and it's like, it's really great to just have it, because guess what? The Wi-Fi's not going to work, and you'd say the same thing of like, really, you'd have to travel with your own Wi-Fi thing? Yeah, I've got two kids with iPads, and I've got, you know, I've got my own stuff that, that uh, and you know what? Sometimes I like to watch Orange is the New Black at night, and there's no way to do that uh, if, you know, so like... All of this stuff becomes these little tiny things that that you learn, these little tiny tips that you uh, that you have to pay attention to and that you have to to figure out. And part of it is also, you know, like even just having been to a certain hotel or a certain kind of a hotel before and you say, well, like the Omni, here's what's nice about the Omni is if you're a repeat guest and you're a member of their like gold thing, that they'll do the Merlin trick of sending up a pot of coffee for you in the morning and they do that pretty reliably. And guess what? They do it for free if uh, if you're like their gold member and all that requires is just filling out a form. Like you don't pay anything for that. You just fill out a form and they'll bring you that up for free. So if I now have a, a choice of like what hotel should I stay in while well, I'll stay in the Omni so I can do the Merlin coffee trick. You know, little things like that that only come from this kind of trial and error and thinking ahead. And right. and, and there's there's so many levels to this, but it all just takes, I've, I find that, it's so easy to get distracted in your day, just in the regular dealing with all the stuff that happens in your day, that writing this stuff down, you may seem crazy that you write it down, but this stuff pays off big time. Yeah. I've learned so much, so many of these little tricks from, from you, from doing the show with you that at first when, uh, you know, when I'd be like, Hey, you know, let, you know, I have a call. You'd be like, well, we get a schedule in. I'm like, Really? We have to schedule a call on it and you'd be what like, are we, yes. what are we going to have a call about? <laughs> right. Like, and, and, and now it seems insane that I ever doubted that or that I ever thought that was weird because now that's like, of course, like, of course you have to do that. So, but it's, it's funny, you know, it's, it's, but, you know, that's actually, so helpful. That's, that's actually a really, a really good example. Cause to make this a little bit about work is, you know, one of my beefs with meetings that I've been to in the past. I don't know how meetings have changed. I, I would like to think that meetings across places have evolved and gotten better, but it always used to seem a little bit frustrating that meetings existed as these, these islands in the middle of this vast ocean where people would arrive and be like, okay, here I am on the island. Now what do we do? And it's like, well, let's talk about the island. Here's the island. Let's talk about it. It's like, well, like, shouldn't a meeting be something where like we talk about what we did while we weren't at the meeting uh -huh. and then we figure out what has to be done before the next meeting. And then we start all over and we just keep right. I mean, a meeting, ideally a meeting would be a place where you find out what you need to know, share with other people what they need to know and figure out what needs to happen before the next meeting. But the meeting is not, I mean, it shouldn't just exist to be this thing that just goes on and on and on. It should be, it should be something that's a cause for uh, invigorating planning and execution where you walk into the meeting like I still think it's bananas when people say, let's have a meeting and they don't tell you what to prepare, you know? So like if somebody wants me on their podcast, for example, we'll schedule it and I always say, Hey, let me anything. Let me know anything I need to do to prep. Should I have heard your show? If so, give me a good episode to listen to that you think would be appropriate. You know, if you're, if there's like a funny bit, is there something you want me to think about? And this is not rocket science, but I mean, 
I wish more people would tell people what to prepare for a meeting, not to make their life hard, but to say, there's a good chance this topic is going to come up. Can you be prepared to at least address that? Right. Or will you will you have a way to point us to the spreadsheet that tells us about this thing or whatever it is. But, you know, again, that requires somebody running the meeting who's thinking ahead and seeing about it as something, seeing the meeting as something that's about other people and not themselves. And that is certainly an instance where then what happens thinking becomes very useful. So that's the homework, I guess. The 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 thought experiment or homework is to like try and find ways to introduce and then what happens into your thinking over the next week. Um, and it can be in like the stupidest ways in the world. It could be, you know, even while you're doing the most selfish thing in the world, well, second most selfish thing. Let's say you're going to a um a comic shop. Well, when you're at that comic shop, is there anything you've been meaning to read that you haven't? Oh, I don't know. Well, did you check your list? What list? Well, how about a list of comics you keep meaning to check out? Oh, okay, that's a good idea. I'll do that. Uh, anybody got a birthday coming up? Why? Well, there may be a friend of yours who you've always wanted to introduce to Watchmen or Saga, and this would be a nice chance. Or if it's a little kid, you can go uh, pick them up that really, really cool uh, Helen Keller book, or you could maybe get them a Lord Nibbler or a, uh, or, or, a, or a Clara Oswald uh, figure or something. Or also, hey, by the way, there's an ATM near that comics place. Did you need to get cash? Because that's a good thing to know. This does not require you to be like the, the Houdini of productivity. It just means walking through what you're doing enough to know that there are opportunities that can make your life better and less stressful uh, by having the presence of mind to think about then what happens. Nice. All right, let's spin this up. All right. I love you. I love you too, Merlin, man.